0: Hello, my name is Hilary Robertson and this is Harmonious World. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Buffalo Philharmonic music director, Joanne Folletta. Claudette Sorrel Rediscovered is a commemorative two CD set showcasing the late pianist Claudette Sorrel in her solo works and American concertos drawn from her out of print recordings. Folletta says of Sorrel, She was an astonishing artist, a powerhouse pianist, and an absolute poet of the keyboard. I feel privileged to have known her personally, and I'm thrilled that many more people will now be able to hear her amazing gifts as a pianist. What you're listening to right now is Rachmaninoff's Nocturne No. 1 in F-sharp minor, played by Claudette Sorrell. I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Joanne Folletta, about the work of Claudette Sorrel. Welcome to Harmonious World. I'm delighted this week to be joined by Joanne Valletta, musical director of Buffalo Philharmonic. So thank you for joining me, Joanne.
1: Thank you, Hilary. Happy to see you and talk to you.
0: First of all, the reason for this interview is because of the Claudette Sorrel rediscovery on these new CDs. They're beautiful, aren't they?
1: They are beautiful. And she was a phenomenal pianist. I had the great pleasure of knowing her when I was just starting my conducting career in the 90s. Uh, I got to know her. I was on her advisory board. But her story is so compelling. And I maybe I could tell you a little bit about her. She was born in 1932 in France uh, and obviously exhibited an, an extraordinary prodigy talent, you know, on the piano. Uh, so much so that her parents, Michelle and Elizabeth, decided that they should take her to to study in the United States. So uh, at the age of uh, eight, she came with them and settled in New York City and uh, truly was a phenom, a phenom. I mean, she just was an extraordinary uh, talent. So two years later, she gave her recital debut um, at the age of 10, in uh, Town Hall in New York, which was a very important uh, center at that time. And then a year after that, at the age of 11, she made her debut with the New York Philharmonic as a soloist. And the uh, Times at that time actually said, Claudette Sorel is in the front rank of American pianists. Uh, she was 11 years old. I mean, it was just so incredible. So she had a, a very brilliant career uh, in the... Um, uh, 40s 50s 60s into the 70s she was playing and um, uh, then unfortunately she had a, a, an accident actually and so she slipped on the ice in New York City one one very wintry day and could not play anymore as as a as a soloist um, and that's what well, I met her in the 90s because then at that point she decided that she would uh, invest all of her energies in teaching and in helping women she really felt that, there were many women pianists at that time who weren't as lucky as she had been to have a career, and she wanted to help them. She still felt that men were favored in terms of uh, the concert stage, uh, and she expanded that to uh, worrying about women composers and women conductors, and that's when we met. She she sought me out in the 90s, and she wanted to talk to me, and I, I was really a, just out of Juilliard, so I was still kind of a student, and just at the very beginning of my career. But she was very curious as to how how one could be a woman conductor or a woman composer, and how could she help? How could she help the general field of women musicians? Um, and she was so inspiring to me. You know, I, I was kind of overwhelmed by her. She was a very a large personality, although a very tiny person, she was very petite. And when we listen to that music, Hillary, you might agree, it's it's impossible to believe that because she has exactly. so much it's so, it's just astonishing. She's all over the keyboard and uh, but she was she was a force of nature and and um, she inspired me also because when she was at her performing in her performing years, uh, she wasn't a typical soloist and she didn't just play repertoire the popular repertoire over and over she specifically looked for new composers well she and her parents uh adopted their new country living in the united states and she felt uh, always very proud to have become a naturalized citizen and she wanted to help american composers so she played recitals of music by lucas foss and peter minnen and paul preston Aaron Copland, too. And she, she uh, commissioned works by American composers um, who were not really that well-known. I mean, it's just this astonishing interest she had. You can hear on the disc that she um, has a piano concerto by Harold Morris and one by Joseph Wood. Again, two American composers whose names have kind of vanished. But um, she had a curiosity about music. And I was really intrigued about that. And I think that, that stayed with me in all of my years. So uh, very recently, only a couple of years ago, her foundation where she left all of her resources to help women uh, asked me to be a board member. And I was thrilled because I was one of the few people who had met her when she was um, in New York. Uh, and, and it was a way of maybe helping to continue her dream. So, so that's where I find myself with this CD. I'm trying to spread the word about this remarkable pianist Yes, and she is one of those hidden figures, isn't she? Absolutely. When she stopped performing, I think her name just kind of became uh, uh, forgotten. You know, and, and it wasn't that she wasn't busy. She was teaching. She became the head of the uh, piano division at the uh, State University of New York at Fredonia, which is a wonderful music school. She was very active in, in helping uh, yeah. young musicians of all sorts. So... But he wasn't on the concert stage anymore. And I think that just slowly people forgot what an extraordinary player she was.
0: Yes. And how did it how did you come to be involved in the re-release of this of of, of these performances? How how did you find them? Where did you where did they come from? Well, when I joined the board, um we um
1: we discussed at great length how how we could realize her dream and what would she have wanted. And, and we actually decided to concentrate our, our efforts on women composers, because I thought that would really change the world for women musicians. But we also had to let people know who Claudette Sorel was and she had no recordings, she had no recordings at all. So we researched her, her own personal files and we went to the New York Philharmonic and, and got permission to, to release a, a performance of theirs. And, and uh, put this music together. And I think this is the first time people can hear her on disc because it was important to let people know who this woman was, who was now uh, still continuing to help women in a big way in
0: this foundation. Yes, and the foundation is is an amazing legacy, isn't it? And so to to add the recordings to that legacy is really amazing and really spectacular i glad you feel that way, Hillary. I, th-
1: I think it was necessary to have people discover her as a musician, and uh, and to realize that she was truly extraordinary. I mean, this is not this is not pale with bland playing. This is absolutely uh, fierce, powerful, poetic, color-filled performances that she gave. I mean, she was a spectacular pianist, and and to identify that that living person then with the, the person whose resources now are helping
0: other women, I think was vital, we had to do that. Yes, um, the Rachmaninoff, those nocturnes, they're beautiful, aren't they? And actually, I, I think they're, they're not heard all that often, especially with the three of them together. You're absolutely right, and in fact,
1: she was the one who discovered them. They were completely unknown in her day um, because they were written when Rachmaninoff, I believe, was 14. And so they hadn't been published or she found them and she loved them and she championed them. So another example of her finding something new from a well-known composer. So she, um, she loved to explore and, and they, they are very beautiful and she lavishes a lot of love on those pieces.
0: Yes, so she was born in France, moved to America and obviously made America her home as a as a child. But did she go back to France? Is she, is she Was she known as a pianist in France?
1: Not really. Not really. She. I, I know she traveled, but I think her her main she stayed with her parents, too. She lived with her parents all of her life, all of their lives. Uh, and uh, I think she made that the center of her artistic world. And, and it was uh, that time in, in, in New York City, there was a lot of new music happening. There was a lot of music happening and she just lived in that world. So uh, we were very lucky then. Uh, and it's just a shame about that accident because had she been able to play for another 15 or 20 years, she died in 1999, but if, had she been able to play all that time, I, I imagine we would have much more recorded Uh, history of her music and in these two that's all we have
0: yes yes and so so that is that is it that is the the entirety of her recordings is it there's nothing else that's sort of hidden away that's right yeah it's an amazing thing to think that some 20 years after her death that these pieces have been Released into the world, so people who could never have heard her, and I mean, obviously she stopped playing twenty years before that. So Mm -hmm. it's really, it's really amazing to think of that that legacy being in existence Uh, now.
1: It makes us all very happy, and and it connects her to what her resources are now doing because they're she's basically helping women compose, write music for for the world. You know, new voices. And um, I think that connection had to be made about who she was as a person, and she was just totally charming, and, and and the kind of person who never gave up. I mean, she was never defeated by anything, and she she was just intent on helping people have the kind of professional satisfaction she had. Um, and I'm hoping that we made the right decision to to invest very heavily now in women composers because i think they will change the world these new voices whether they're writing for orchestra or piano um in whatever style Uh, and she was she was open to that she she loved new new ideas
0: yeah it's it's amazing isn't it and to think what she might have achieved had she carried on playing had she lived a bit longer and you know all of those what ifs but uh that again it's just that legacy that she's left behind is just amazing Sorry. is that
1: is very special and and knowing that people are hearing
0: all of this for the very
1: first time uh it's just uh amazing to me and 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 uh, and we're we're thrilled about it and I, and I'm so glad that you
0: you've liked listening to her playing because she's special. Oh yes, beautiful, beautiful. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about your own background, so how you've ended up where you are now? Well, I um,
1: started studying you know of instruments, piano. classical guitar uh, cello when I was a young girl but from the age of about 11 or so I wanted to be a conductor I just fell in love with the symphony orchestra growing up in New York City I had the opportunity to go to a lot of concerts and I had to do that and I didn't realize when I was that age that it was still relatively rare for women to be conducting orchestras Um, so I'm glad I didn't know because I persisted without being frightened I guess and and I was lucky in that I was able to go to Juilliard and study orchestral conducting, uh, and and from then on I've sort of been living my dream uh, of conducting orchestras in all over all over the country and, and guest conducting in many places throughout the world. Um, so that that young girl that Claudette met, who was me at that age, who was just starting, um, I think had had a little bit of encouragement from her to go forward because it was. Into a new world where women on the podium were accepted. So, uh, and now I'm working as music director with the, with the Buffalo Philharmonic, but, but get a chance to work in many different places. And
0: I feel yeah. very lucky. Yeah. And, and I mean, the Buffalo Philharmonic is well respected and it's, it's a great place to be, isn't it? It is it's a great a- place.
1: It's a it's a city that supports its orchestra very has a very close connection to the orchestra. The orchestra has a wonderful contract with Noxos uh, that enables us to make uh, at least a couple of CDs a year, uh, and that has been great for us because Noxos has actually charged us with discovering unknown music, discovering music that, you know, they, they, they didn't want another Dvorak cycle or a Brahms cycle. They wanted... Music, not necessarily contemporary, but music that people didn't know, and uh, that that enabled me to become a kind of explorer, which I loved. And we've done a very many discs with them now, uh, and it's been a it's been an artistically uh, growing experience for all of us, the musicians, and for me to to uh, perform and record music that that has never been played before or rarely played, never recorded, and uh, uh, that's been. great. A great place
0: to be to be able to do that. Fantastic. Um how is your, how was your lockdown? I mean so so two years ago we kind of had hints about things that were going on, but of course in March 2020 it all kicked off. What did that mean for you?
1: Well in March we we literally went into lockdown everything was closed. We were not able to enter the hall. We were really not able to do much of anything. Uh, and that that took us through the summer but at at the end of the summer we came back to work we came back to work and in an odd way uh we were allowed to go into the hall we had to wear masks we had to sit, sit six feet apart from each other and we had no audience it was all filmed but it enabled us to play every other week a concert to give a concert every other week and i think that kept us emotionally alive hillary because we could make music together you know at first we were Frightened, I think we didn't know could we do this? Could we play with masks and, and not seeing and, and being so far apart? And we found out we could, we could indeed do that. And we used small groups, our group size was dictated by the state of New York that we could only have 25 people on the stage. So it, it forced us to look at new music that we wouldn't have played with our 85 piece orchestra. And it was fun, it was great fun and great discoveries to play chamber orchestra repertoire many of it new to us uh, together and in fact when we finished that season uh, I felt we had artistically made a great deal of progress because we learned to listen we learned to watch each other in a different way we learned more about repertoire we learned how people in a 25 member ensemble play that their every single one is critical so uh, all of that taught us a great deal. And then this fall, we started with an orchestra on the stage. Our string players are still wearing masks, but we're sitting close together again. We have audiences, but they wear masks as well. So we've made some progress, Hillary. We're not there yet, but <laughs> but we're
0: playing we're playing music and we're we're loving that. It's amazing, isn't it? How it's almost as if we can all rediscover music again, live music. Right. It it, it makes us realize how important it is. You know, how joyous
1: it is. Uh, you know, we, we were almost in tears, really, the first concert we have with an audience. And, and it was overwhelming. Uh, how could we have ever taken this for granted, all these concerts? It was now it's now as if we're not doing that anymore. We're not taking them for granted. Every concert is, is something alive and important to us. So I'm sorry it took a pandemic to sort of wake us up about how, how,
0: how vital music is, but it's as if we've rediscovered it, just as you said. And I think that's true for performers, but it's also true for audiences. I think people who were starved of that, you know, live music experience have suddenly gone, I'm not going to, ma- I'm not going to take it for granted, and I'm not going to avoid it. I'm going to embrace it much more, which is, which is truly wonderful. Right. Okay, so what does the future hold? What's next?
1: Well, uh, I have lots of concerts. I'm going to actually Hawaii in a, in a couple of weeks to conduct a big gala concert with Joshua Bell, the great violinist, and then coming back to do uh, the opera The Magic Flute here in Buffalo and lots of concerts. And hopefully, uh, as we get into the spring, uh, we will all feel much more comfortable about being in groups together and being able to welcome audiences, maybe even without a mask. So we're taking it one step at a time, but we've got a lot of music coming up and and we know
0: we're going to love every note of it. So so it's a, it's basically an optimistic time. Fantastic. Oh well that's a that's a great way to finish. Thank you so much for your time, Joanne. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Joanne Folletta. It's fascinating to talk to a female conductor about a female pianist who left no commercially available recordings that have now been discovered. So Claudette Sorrell's performances can now be heard by all of us. And what you're listening to now is narrative by Paul Creston, which was composed for and dedicated to Sorrel herself. As always, please do check out the links in the show notes. It's a great way for you to support music and musicians. If you enjoy listening to Harmonious World, please share it with your friends and family. You can do that on social media or by sending a link with a personal message Or just by talking about it, because actually you can just find Harmonious World in any search engine. Please also consider leaving a review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this on now. It really does make a difference. Also, don't forget you can support the show on Buy Me A Coffee and the link is in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to Harmonious World and I hope you have a wonderful week. Remember to share what you are good at to help make this world a little more harmonious. Thanks also to Joe English for composing and performing this new theme tune. So wherever you get your podcast, you can leave a review. You can share this with your friends and family, either as a link or on social media and that sort of thing. I'd be really grateful for that. Don't forget that you can subscribe now. There's a link wherever you get your podcasts. So have a great week and please remember why I started this, which is just to try and make the world a little more harmonious. Thanks for listening to Harmonious World.